Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Bang, yo. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And this one is inspiring. You know, it's been life on the road since early age, I feel like, you know. It's kind of wild to think. Yeah, we're talking to Gabby. She actually moved into a mobile dwelling situation with her family when she was 14 years old. And it's actually really cool. She's going to give her whole story, how many kids were in the bus, like how many people where they all went, what they were traveling, super awesome. But that gives us hope in terms of, you know, we're starting a family and we want to be a family on the road. And so what does that look like? What are some of the challenges involved in that? Um, What's it like for the kids? Because I feel like often, you know, we've had parents on the show before who talk about their experience as parents Mm -hmm. being on the road with their kids, but we haven't actually had a kid on the show. I mean, she's not a kid anymore, but she was a kid. She was a kid in the RV and living nomadically, you know, so that for me is, is exciting, you know, to know that this experience has impacted her life and her, her brother and sister's life greatly, you know? So, I mean, with, with all that being said, we hope that you guys are out there having an F and A summer. I know that we are. Um, it has been really a roller coaster for us, but it's still been great. <laughs> Yeah, it has been great. And thanks to folks like you who leave five-star reviews on the podcast. If you have a minute, wherever you're listening right now, just go ahead and drop a review for the show. It really helps us reach new people and get the message out so that everybody can have an F&A summer in their RV or van. Yeah, and if you want to get more information out of us, make sure to jump on over to our Patreon, sign up for as little as $3, and you could get way more information from us, up-to-date stuff on where we are, what we're doing, what we have going on in our lives. And yeah, even probably some pictures of the baby before everybody else. Uh-huh. And also tons of information. There's different packages with our books and with mm-hmm. our different um, offerings to help you build your own van and get yourself on the road. Build so- your own van, van life guide to getting on the road. You have Alaska guide as well. You know, there's so much extra stuff that uh, you could get. Even You might even be able to get some Paco stickers, you know? If you want some Pago stickers, that's the way to get them. He is very adorable. Yeah, he really is. We just really want to give you the best information that we possibly can and allow you guys to grow in life along with us, you know, because that's what it's about, growing together. And I feel like this episode goes deep. We're talking to Gabby about your inner world also and like how living in a van or RV helps you develop yourself as a person and helps Mm -hmm. you overcome all these challenges that you might face in life. And for a lot of people, especially when you first get on the road, it can be very triggering, you know, things 
might not be going the way that you envisioned or, you know, this idea of this perfect van life reality might be not exactly working out the way that Pinterest said that it might. Yeah. So, you know, what do you then do as a human being when these things come up? You know, when something's going wrong, when something's breaking, when you're having a breakdown, when you're spending more money on your rig, when, you know, you and your partner are arguing about who's doing the dishes or, you know, whatever, like all Mm -hmm. these regular things that happen in life happen in the van. And I'll even say, we even get into the aspect of like, when you were in your regular life or growing up through your life, you feel like that you have this specific personality, you know? And, but what we realized during this conversation with Gabby is the fact that we're constantly creating our personality every day, you know? And so we get really deep into that as well. And I think that's a really cool thing to talk about and to think about. Mm-hmm. I will say for sure. I think that you and I have grown very much since we got on the road. As much as I'm the same person, I'm a much different person. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that I believed and I was into are a lot different today than they were when we first got on the road. Just even my train of thought on, you know, brick and mortar compared to RV living mm-hmm. or van life living. Yeah. Or just like the type of people that we've met and the the stories that we've heard from people and yeah you know, opening our minds to different ways of life, different walks of, you know, people and just really expanding our horizons on what's possible, you know, and what we actually want from our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I think getting out of the country really helped us out a lot too. Like actually traveling with four wheels around eight different countries, nine different countries other than the United States, you know, and I think that was a eye opener and, you know, the idea that everything is scary and, you know, people are bad in all these places. That is just a crock of shit. Honestly, Mm -hmm. Uh, there's nice people everywhere, just like there are here. Do you have the same type of people in these other countries as well? Um, So, you know, look forward to going to these places, get to know people, put yourself into the culture. You're going to have a great experience if you lead with love and positivity. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm not really that worried about traveling with a baby or toddler or an infant in the van because people are so nice and they do want to help, you know? And then especially when you add, you know, this kid into it, I mean, we're just going to be so dang cute. (laughs) Who's not going to want to help us? It's going to be the four of us, baby. (laughs) You, myself, the baby of Paco. Yeah, I know. Oh man, Paco and that baby are going to be so cute together. BFFFLs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I could already see it. I could see him looking over at us too, wondering what the heck is going on. Because he always gets a little bit wild when we do these podcasts. All right. So let's not keep Paco waiting any longer. We're going to jump right into this amazing conversation with Gabby. Gabby, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're really excited to chat. Um, I think what really kind of struck me about your profile, not only like the uh, advocacy work that you're doing with Nomads with a Purpose, but also kind of your history and growing up in the nomadic community. So maybe we could start from the start of how you ended up you know, traveling with your family in an RV. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been, I've grew up, grown up living in an RV and traveling with my family since I was 14. Um, so my, I had a pretty traditional life before that. Um, I was homeschooled my whole life. So, you know, the first thing people worry about is like, well, how'd you do school? So moving into an RV as a homeschooler is kind of just like an easy transition. Um, but we were living uh, in San Diego, California, and my parents 
uh, had a business. They had a gymnastics and personal training business. Um, and it was just like the natural lifestyle that came out of that between the traffic and being having to work all the time. We we're just kind of like in that rat race mentality. I was uh, in competitive sports in soccer and gymnastics. And so they were constantly just rushing me to sports all the time. Uh, eventually, my parents just kind of got tired of like living in that rat race. And my mom and dad had bought an RV about two years before we moved into our RV and they started camping and they're like oh my gosh this is amazing and then eventually we got to the point where we were never in our house and we were just camping close to where they were working um we were living in our RV practically um at the beach so we could be closer to work and so that we could enjoy our life outside of when we were they weren't working and when I wasn't doing sports and so then in 2014 came along and we were renting a house at the beach and uh, the, the lease was coming to an end. Uh, and so my we had trips planned for that same summer. We were going to do like two big road trips. And so my mom was like, well, why don't we just like live in the RV for the summer? It'll be just like six weeks. And to this day, I think it's still the funniest thing that we moved into the RV on April 1st, thinking it was going to be six weeks. April Fool's, <laughs> six years, eight years and counting. Uh, and so... What, what happened then is that we moved into the RV and basically my mom just loved it so much. So my dad was like, why would we stop? You're so happy. And the kids are so happy doing this. So we just kept living in the RV. My parents did have a business in San Diego still. So we would basically stationary RV uh, in the winters in San Diego. And that went on for about four or five years where we'd stationary in San Diego so that they would work and then we'd just take long trips and you know it's our trip travel has always kind of evolved depending on the businesses that we had at the time but long long story short uh, it's been more than eight years now and I still live in an RV um I because I grew up in an RV at 14 about a year ago I moved into my own RV and traveled started traveling with my sister so we're kind of just this flock of like RVs kind of all traveling together but kind of having our own independent space which was a good healthy evolution for the ages that we were in um I now still travel full-time in my own RV I intersect my family who still lives in an RV uh, full-time with my two youngest siblings and I have Two other siblings who are now stationary in an RV, but in St. George, uh, kind of permanently. Interesting. Awesome. So how many siblings do you have? And then like, what are their ages kind of range? And maybe like, was it harder for the older ones or the younger ones? You know, like when you made that initial transition? Yeah, so I'm, uh, let's see, I have two younger siblings at the time right now who are 12 and 14. So they still travel with my family. Um, I have a sister who is 19 and a brother who is 23 and they're stationary and I'm 22. So I'm the second uh, of the five siblings. Uh, when we first moved into it, obviously we were all kind of like elementary uh, or middle elementary, middle school and high school ages. Um, everyone really handled the transition fine, but the, the struggles kind of came up more for uh, probably me and my sister the most, I, I guess my older brother too, but the difference was that uh, I was very involved with my peers at the time um, who I had back in San Diego. And so leaving my friends um, wasn't necessarily hard for me because I assumed that my friends would still be my friends when I'd come back from these trips. Uh, what naturally came up though was realizing that the more I went away on these trips, uh, the more I was becoming rejected by my peers and like 
people seeing me as this weirdo, this outcast. And uh, I, it was really hard at the time, but it really sent me into probably the biggest uh, growth that I had to go through in my life pretty, from a pretty young age, which I now appreciate, but at the time was pretty hard because uh, what, you know, at that age being in high school, and really all everyone wants to do is fit in and have that that sense of acceptance from people. And there I was like, I'm so confused. I don't understand why me living in RV makes me somehow not. That doesn't make sense in my logical brain, but that's what was happening. And so uh, it forced me to kind of have to realize that I was getting my sense of self-worth from other people and made me have to go on this journey of finding self-worth from within instead of from these external factors of having that acceptance and uh, approval from my peers. Uh, my sister, my younger sister, who's three years younger than me, kind of went through a similar thing, but uh, I don't think it was as centric for her because she was still like uh, personality-based things. And also she was in middle school at the time and she didn't quite have it the same friend existing friend group. And my older brother has always been such a mega introvert that he didn't go through that. He uh, kind of battled more of the like feeling of, I can't believe I have to share this much space with so this much space with this many people. I don't mm -hmm. think the rest of our, of uh, the four siblings really felt that we were like, well, we just go outside if we want more space. Um, but my older brother, that really uh, was irritating to him. He was like, there's, I don't ever have that introverted space where no one bothers me. I can't like spread out my stuff. Um, so there's like kind of like a personality thing there. But I mean, the space thing is certainly, it's certainly there. I remember thinking when we, we, we'd go to get ready for bed every night. And for years, it was like an hour to wait in line for the bathroom to, for five, for seven people to get ready for bed. Uh, it was comical, but. But you made it, you guys made it work. We made it work. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It makes me think about the aspect of like, maybe we have to talk to some normies. We call them normies, the people <laughs> in like, you know, the regular brick and mortar situation. Um, but maybe we got to talk to some people like that, that have had friends that have went away at some point in time to like kind of figure out this psychological like thought process that goes along with like disconnecting from those people. Um, like even friends in our lives and, uh, you know, our thirties, uh, you wind up having this disconnect from those people as well. And, you know, maybe just cause your life is so much different or like you're understanding different things than they are because you're traveling on the road. And I even wonder if sometimes like those people might be like, not only are they saying stuff to their friends and then they communicate how they communicate and they're probably like, oh, it's so weird that they live in a car, you know, whatever. Or they bring it back to their family and their family might have like this type of opinion and then that like pushes them to have these type of feelings or they just don't understand it or they're jealous in some type of way that they're not traveling, you know, so there's, there's so many different factors. Um that's what it makes me think about. But I was wondering, like, what RV were you guys in? Seven people feels like, like a lot, you know? So how, how what type of space was this? Yeah, when we uh, first moved into the RV, it was a 30-foot Class C RV. Um, and so we, we moved into that because there's more, more beds. So there's, like, a big bed in the back for parents. And I slept, I remember, on the couch. And one of there's a dinette that turned into a bed also. My sister sleep there. And then my brothers would both share the big cab over the bed. And then my youngest uh, youngest sister, I think she was, she was either three or four. She was four. You know, she was three when we first moved into the RV. So she would just, she had this like, first she would share the bed in the back with my parents. And then we made her like this like 
faux bed like we would stack boxes and then we'd put like a mattress on top so that she could sleep in the corner and then that eventually got to be too much and so I think in uh it was probably five years in uh we moved into we transitioned to a fifth wheel a 40 foot wheel which was like you know now that now there's plenty of space and I had a bunk house in the back um and then eventually uh you know moved into other RVs and multiple RVs for all of us but yeah when we first moved into it we were all jam-packed like sardines into that into to be able to sleep in a 30-foot rv and it was it, i mean it slept everyone pretty good it was the really more the living space and mm-hmm. it had like a big slide out so i mean it was like it definitely worked but it's yeah. definitely kind of crazy <laughs> uh and we like the classy because you can actually like had the mobility to kind of bring it anywhere like all the mm-hmm. national park campgrounds we wanted to visit you didn't have that max size limit because with the 40-foot fifth wheel uh you have a lot you can't get to a lot of places and then you have the difficulty of trying to like getting uh getting a pickle of not being able to turn around in some spots so the the 30 foot was like a lot of freedom to be able to go the places we wanted to go because we're actually traveling to rock climb and surf and mountain bike most of the time so each day we moved really fast we were moving from like almost every day not every single day but almost every day we never stayed somewhere more than like four days that was really bizarre other than when we were stationary in san diego and each day we were just trying to chase another mountain biking trail another rock climbing Mm -hmm. uh, destination another hike um so it was more it was more for the activity than why you guys would move um was there were you was it like, did any of you guys get burnout from that, from the, from the constant travel? Or were you also involved in wanting to do the next activity that it was just like exciting? Um, I think most of us, we were also so involved in it, wanting to be in the outdoors. Really, my mom was kind of like the, um, like, I guess we'd call her very like that leader, leader, like, we're, I think we're gonna do this. And if you guys veto it, then we can like, do something else. But if you guys don't, have an opinion this is what I think we should do and I was always kind of the one to be like researching like hey mom I found this crag let's go here um my dad definitely struggled with it the most um he's gone through quite a quite a journey of hating and loving RV living at the same time um he's really struggled with um uh having that movement all the time because every time he moves he kind of has to like he goes through this experience of like being in the unknown and when he's in the unknown and you know, kind of just based on his childhood and his upbringing, he's so used to like, there's danger around every corner. Uh, And so every time we moved, even if we weren't in dangerous places, it just triggered that sort Mm -hmm. of mentality for him. And it would make him exhausted internally, whether Mm -hmm. that's just an internal anxiety or like that internal subconscious feeling. Um, He definitely has gone through, I wouldn't wouldn't even say burnout, just like uh, struggled with it so much that he was just exhausted anytime we moved. Um, he's definitely been able to now like kind of get better through that. We also mm-hmm. don't move quite as often or my mom and dad don't move as often because of that ability to adapt. And I would think now, even now at this point, eight years in, now is when I'd say I'm burnt out on it. My mom is even a little bit burnt out on it. My younger two siblings, they're still at that phase of whatever. I mean, they can adapt to anything, that that, yeah. that muscle. But I now, for the first time, realize how much work and logistics goes into, like, thinking through the next sleeping situation, the next water and electricity and all of those things, the resources you got to get. It's finally at that point where I'm like, I don't really want to have to think about those things. And I want to be able to, like, focus on, you know, my work and the things I'm actually doing to enjoy my day. And I kind of don't want to waste so much energy on that. So 
kind of getting to that point now. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us what are like you and your sister traveling in now? You said it's an RV is like, what kind of RV is it? And then how are you traveling? Like you said, you're kind of slowing down a little bit and maybe moving a little bit less. Does that mean more campgrounds or are you like wild camping or, you know, like what is life on the road kind of look like for you and your sister? Yeah. So my sister and my brother are now stationary in St. George last year. My sister traveled with me. So now it's pretty much me by myself, but most of the time my parents are kind of like traveling with me to some extent. Um, but now I'm in a, I have a, a truck and a 26 foot travel trailer. Um, and so right now, for example, it's super like changing and dynamic because now we basically have three separate people, three separate hubs, my family, me and my siblings that we're always trying to like, we want to see each other often. So we're always trying to like work through my, you know, my siblings in St. George, they have schedules that now they they have like normie lives to some extent. Uh, And they are on the work schedules and we need to uh, be able to cross cross with them easily. Um, for me, uh, I kind of just try, I'm always trying to create a routine where I can, uh, work in a environment that's non-chaotic. So I'm trying not to move as often. So I'm here in Lander for a month and a half. Uh, I'm in an RV park, even though I can free camp at city park, I was recently having this like, Oh, should I go over to city park? Cause it's free. And, but the thing is I would have to move my, my trailer every three days and, mm-hmm hitching up a trailer is not necessarily easy. I like having a trailer because you have this actual living space. Um, so like I could do yoga on a rainy day in my RV, but with that, I don't want to have to move it that often. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that said, I'm staying here for a month and a half. After this, I go and I drive to Salt Lake and I'm getting on a plane to fly to meet my family in Washington. And then I'm a tent camp for three weeks with my sister and my whole family. Um, but we don't fit in the RV that they currently have now. So we're tent camping and then I'll come back to my trailer and I think we're going to slow travel through Colorado. So uh, slow traveling, I think is kind of like that compromise for me and for my, for my family too, uh, where, you know, you're moving every like four days to eight days as opposed to fully stationary. But at this mm-hmm. point, having campgrounds is unless we have uh, free camping where there's cell service uh, I've noticed that that's a really, really big struggle finding camp free camp spots that actually have cell service because we really need cell. My dad works virtually, me and my mom work virtually, and uh, having cell service is so important to us that even though we can get our RVs into these free camping spots, we almost always have to get uh, campgrounds also for the sake of electricity to charge our devices to be able to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you have the full time job and you're working, you know, remotely, it's definitely worth it. You know, if mm-hmm. If the money's coming in, you could pay for it. But if you don't have the money coming in, it's a lot harder. Um, and they do have things that help out a lot nowadays, but they're kind of expensive, like Starlink and stuff like that. And then you um, have to worry about the electricity also, because yes. if you're running this big camper and then you also have the Starlink system mm-hmm. that's also taking electricity, then yeah. it's like... Yeah, I've always wondered how that worked. I'm like, everyone's got Starlink, like, but how do you run it? <laughs> yeah, well, so for us, we, we had like a fair size battery bank. We work fully remote as well. Um, and so we had at least 300 amp hours of lithium ion battery plus the solar plus when you drive it charges. So we were able to keep up with all of our power needs. We never really had an issue when it came to power and that was without having to plug in without having, you know, um, if we were going to be in one spot for a while, 
we would pick to stay at a campground nowadays just mm-hmm. because then we could plug in, especially if it's like gray and cloudy. Uh, if you're in a, in a place like that, then it would be more needed. But, uh, but yeah, with that being said, what are some like your athletic pursuits? I know you were talking earlier about rock climbing and, and uh, surfing and things along those lines. You said you're going to travel through Colorado. That's like a very, I feel like downhill mountain biking is huge there. And just like, you know, the pursuit of athletic things is huge mm-hmm. in that area. Yeah. So right when we moved into our RV, the, really the source of my mom and dad, mostly my mom's motivation to move into an RV was that they had just learned how to rock climb. And right before that, my mom and I were getting into surfing. So yeah, like I said, all of our travels have been motivated around rock climbing, surfing, mountain biking, and hiking. And even still to this day, that's really the motivation. We don't necessarily... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We travel to places to go do those things. So they're all outdoor destinations we're traveling to. Where I am in Wyoming is like one of the biggest rock climbing destinations in the U.S. Um, and then aside from that, it's just like, we love being in the mountains. So even if we're not getting to do a sport, just getting to camp near the mountains and be able to access those ma- the mountains when we're not uh, when we're not working is like the main motivation. So here in Wyoming, climbing. Then we go to Washington, and um, we're going to do some. Hopefully, a lot of alpine lakes. Hopefully, we can get to. But being able to do some mountaineering, I'm trying to get into at this point with some friends up in Washington, and then we head down to Colorado to hopefully bag some 14ers once the snow melts, uh, and yeah, supplement that with some mountain biking and rock climbing when we can. Awesome, awesome. That sounds like a ton of fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. What I'm wondering, I guess, so you say you're working full time, and then also trying to do all of these things. Like it sounds like your hobbies are like full time too. So how are you kind of like balancing that? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm working on trying to find that balance. So before, it's definitely like consumed probably a bit too much of my time. And earlier on, when we were like not full time working this way, we got that. We had that privilege of being able to like, oh, we're just sleeping on this dirt road and then we wake up and we get to do these activities uh nowadays that's why we're really more kind of slow traveling and uh i'm a little bit more stationary in places uh because when i'm here uh for example i want to go climb but i really need to I, i work for probably between three to three to six hours a day depending on the day uh and then i can have the ability to go climb within a day because it's like this place allows me to go climb even if i only have four hours left in the day and now that it's summer like the days are so long that you have that ability um but yeah slow traveling we don't necessarily have the ability to do those sports every single day it Mm -hmm. it'll be like we go somewhere if say we go to colorado and we're there for one spot for four days maybe two of those days are full-on rest days or working and then maybe two of those days we work in the morning and then go do something Mm -hmm. so it's kind of just like that 
that flux of kind of, so my mom and I run a adventure travel blog and a personal development coaching platform. So it's not like we have to clock in at certain hours. We just need to get the work done. Uh, And so as long as we can find the self-service and make the time, then it ends up working for us. Yeah, we totally get that feeling. Uh, When we first got on the road, we set out to snowboard the most mountains in a single season by anybody ever. And um, I wound up snowboarding 71 mountains in a single season. Wow. Uh, Technically, I think is the most ever. But uh, we were trying to hit 83. It was the year COVID became a thing, so everything shut down. But Alex was and I were just like, she was basically like a show mom to me at a certain point, just like feeding me and making sure I had dry clothes. She snowboarded 40 of them during that time with me at the same time. And uh, yeah, it was, it was hard to edit videos and get videos out while trying to do this, you know, impossible feat. It felt like um, sometimes snowboarding three or four mountains in a single day, you know? Yeah. And it, so it was a, uh, it was crazy difficult. And then we realized that we had to find that workflow, you know, hobby hangout, like kind of balance. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for us, our lifestyle and our hobbies kind of became one, like the, the work and, and, you know, what we like to do became one by doing the vlogs and stuff. Um, so that helped out a lot, but still we had to find time to sit down and edit the video. So mm-hmm. you might be doing your hobby, but also working at the same time, you know, throughout a full day. And then you get mm-hmm. home, have to drop all that footage onto something, you know, then edit that footage and get it out within a reasonable time. You yeah, know, it's, it's a difficult task, a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, uh, used to, or we, we technically have a YouTube channel for our nomads with purpose, but man, it's exactly what you're talking about. Like the, the work of going through and actually editing the video. And it's probably depending on the personality. I just got so sick of two, like in your experience, having to film it took away from the experience to me. And so, yeah, like that, that's a whole nother people go, Oh, just start a vlog and start a thing for your, and you're like, that's work. It's not like you're saying, taking away from that experience is, is a big thing that you don't necessarily want to do. So finding like when the proper time to like film, but you also don't want to miss something that's dramatic or big or something, yeah. you know? So it's like, you you want to be present in the moment, but also at the same time, you have to like figure out when's the right time to pull out that camera and film. So it's, it is a very difficult task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you kind of balance like what you're doing in the blog? Because that's kind of, you know, I'm assuming you're blogging about your adventures, right? So it's kind of similar. It's just without the camera. Yeah. So uh, nowadays, I'm like the the blog has kind of, I would say, taken a backseat because we spent six years kind of working on it. I think it's been six years. Yeah. Uh, working on the blog solely. And so it's kind of at this point where it in a way runs itself. There's a good foundation of amount of blogs that are up there that are being searched and stuff. Um, Cause so much of our blog now is not even, like we started being that in that, uh, that trap, I guess that we didn't realize at the time of blogging about our adventures and then realizing it needs to be SEO so that if we want, if we're trying to make money off of it, it needs to actually be just serving the information that people are looking for. Um, so we built that foundation and it kind of like runs itself now. So fortunately that can kind of just, operate in the back on the back burner um nowadays it's like we're we're constantly trying to create content for our personal development 
platform, uh, which in that and that's still the same idea. The whole content creation uh, process is still very time investing or requires a lot of your resources and your time to be able to to not only make the content, but when it comes to our, now we have the struggle of like, oh, I have to also be in the right headspace to be able to make content for this because it's around a topic that's not like, I can just share these facts. It's like, it has to like come, kind of come from your heart and like think about some solution, but still that content creation process is like a big, uh, still a big investment and the blog kind of just runs on the back and well when winter comes along we try to like nurture that a little bit more so that when summer comes along and people are searching things more uh it's kind of still doing well um mm-hmm. but for the most part we just focus on the content creation for our uh personal development uh coaching platform very cool so as someone who has a successful blog i think that a lot of people that's like a goal of theirs is to like create this platform um do you have any tips or advice for people about like creating and maintaining and, you know, growing a blog. Cause I feel like they were really big for a long time. And then everybody kind of went to video and blah, 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 but mm-hmm. blogs are still cranking out traffic. Like you're getting tens of thousands of visitors a month and all these things. So, you know, a blog can be a sustainable, you know, endeavor. It's just, you know, maybe not a lot of people know how to make it profitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the thing of blogging compared to video, it's so funny how much it's gotten this, like, it's not as sexy to like a lot of people to like write and read and like, but at the same time, I think it's, a if you, if you're a more introverted personality, it's like a hundred percent of blog is better for you as a creator because you're sitting down and creating it. Uh, I think the big thing is like, people don't realize when they start blogs or if you, if you're someone who's looking to start a blog profitably, you need to get 200 blogs out to even have a starting chance. Um, and then from there, you'll start to, once you get those 200 out, uh, that's when you start to realize the things that are actually like people are liking, what are, is getting remotely seen and, um, and what sort of, uh, content is you have a chance at in the niche of, of certain types of things. And then getting like super long tail about things is, and backlinks is the, the really big factor in being able to actually turn it into something that's going to get searched and make you money. Um, because 200 blogs, if you, if you have no backlinks is probably not going to do you much good. So you need to be collaborating with other bloggers, really being out there and to collaborate with other bloggers from that space of actually them getting you that backlink. You have to be of service to that blogger. How can you actually help other people to get uh, a starting point into your, into your own blog's domain authority uh, and then finding what is your unique spin on it? Now, granted, you don't have to be blogging on, you know, like the best ice cream shops in every single town I visit. However, uh, you don't want your blog to be just like every single other blog, because if it is, then why is Google even going to, if no one's thinking that your blog is different or adding value, then why, and then people aren't staying on the page that long, then Google's not going to, not going to love you. In the end, you're just at, at the whim of Google. And it's not so much about what you like, but what Google likes. And the more you can kind of get out of your own personal experience in travel your personal the blog is there to help you experience your your experience when you're traveling but it's not about you when you're blogging be as much of service as you can to the information that people are looking for 
with and make it as long and as detailed as possible as long as it's helpful content. Mm -hmm. I think if I had known those things when I had started, I probably would have gotten to monetization a lot faster because it kind of took a lot longer than it really needed to for for me with my blog because I was so focused on the things I liked. Well, one, rock climbing and mountain biking are not a search in general. And so it was all about these things. Then it was a little bit too much stories involved. And if I had just thought about serving the audience, serving the reader from the get-go, I probably would have gone to monetization faster. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty true across all platforms. Mm -hmm. Like whether you're making TikToks or YouTube videos or blog posts, thinking about the user, like why do they care? Why would they watch this? What are they getting out of it? Whether that's purely just entertainment or you have to be providing value and knowledge and information and, you know, have that all wrapped up in a way that is consumable. Mm -hmm. And I would add on to that, you know, there are few people that wind up having that opportunity of going viral, right? Don't don't position yourself to say, oh, like, why isn't that me? Don't don't do that to yourself because there's a ton of us out here that, you know, that see the hard work, that know that it's a lot of work to do this and just like be committed to the process of it because I think that will help you with your experience of it too, rather than the opposite. If you're like, you know, you're like, oh, well, why didn't that happen for me? Mm-hmm. You know, you're always going to be on the wrong side of the attitude when it comes to like becoming more successful in it. Yeah. You really have to like love the creation process and because it's so true. And I think now more than ever, and I don't know if you guys think so too, but you have to produce so much. I feel like there was a time that you could get by with producing, doing that whole quality over quantity thing. And though quality matters still, uh, quantity, you have to be posting so much, whether that's video, whether that's blogs, you have to have so much out there that it's true that if you don't love it, you're going to get burnt out so fast. Yeah. And I I totally agree. The hard part for us is like, we want to make sure that we have good content as well as we also don't want to slice ourselves too thin, you know? So the idea is at least do one a week, you know, if we can for the podcast as well as the videos, you know, and, and that I think is still enough quantity, but you know, if you could have two or three out, that would be Mm -hmm. better, you know? Yeah. Uh, and like to even go back to like the idea of like it being different within the niche, like talking about like the podcast specifically, I think what makes this podcast different is that we actually talk to other nomads, you know, people who have lived the lifestyle so people could find, you know, their selves in the people that we're talking to, you know, where a lot of the other ones are very much just, you know, either the couple or the solo person talking about their own travels, which is, which is also unique in itself. But, you know, this allows a lot more ability to give people a lot more value. I feel like not only the people that are listening, but the people on the other side of the camera and us too, as well, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's, it's like a triple threat, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And what you're saying about that, that consistency, I think even if you can't produce the, the tons of content that, the world kind of like tries to like you can do it you can do it uh the consistency of people knowing they can 
in a sense, count on you to still be there next week is huge. I think some, you know, one of the things is with our travels, because we've been like, so day, 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 change, changing. Um, we'll be at times like, Oh, I'm going to post two, two times today. And then like, or at least like on Instagram two times today, and then we'll not post for two days. And it's funny how you notice this subtly, you can notice the psyche of the person. They're like, not sure what to expect from you. And it's funny Mm -hmm. how, and that's just human nature. People want to know what to expect. They don't like being in that unknown of not knowing what's when, when they can count on you, whether that's that value or that entertainment uh, coming next. Uh, Because at one point I think we were like trying to do some, something on Instagram for our, one of our the adventure travel blog. I'm trying to, we're like, okay, well, they say you need to post two to three times a day. And then you would just burn yourself out trying to post two times in a day for two days in a row. And then you're like, I can't post tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think we've all been caught in that trap before. Um, so let me ask you about your coaching business, because that's kind of what you're focusing on now. What I really liked you talk about the flow state and so that's something that we've been talking about since through day. our travels since like the day that we started is that van life was really about being in the flow. And so for us, whenever things were going wrong or, you know, trouble was happening or, you know, you feel like you're pushing, 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 pushing and nothing is working. Um, you know, we have to like constantly remind ourselves like, okay, we're not in the flow. We're not listening. We're not, you know, listening to our interest intuition. We're, you know, trying to make things happen that just aren't supposed to be happening, you know? Um, and so we talk a lot about just like the flow of life. Um, so how do you kind of incorporate that to your coaching practice? So when I talk about, uh, flow state, flow state is like kind of the, what I call the, it's like the, almost the label that I put on you getting out of your own way. You, noticing the self-learning beliefs that are kind of causing you to stay addicted to certain cycles in your life. And so flow state at first for me was a big thing that I was like awakened to because I had been competitive sports for the longest time and it was so like stressful and there's so much pressure on me. And then I found surfing and rock climbing and I was like, whoa, this is something totally different. There's a different, and probably feel like that was snowboarding too. When you get into those sports where there's not sense of self-consciousness necessarily, or pressure to perform or level to, or to reach this level of uh, extrinsic uh, achievement, then you're naturally setting yourself up to enter a state of flow. And then from that like scientific perspective, flow like helps you like get into more, have more fulfillment in your life. You know, it it promotes uh, gamma brainwaves, which like naturally kind of fuel you to be more inspired, be more motivated, feel more sense of satisfaction in your life. But I also like to think of flow, like kind of what you're talking about. There's this flow that you get into in your life. And I think that that state enters when you're in alignment with your intention and you're aware of the the obstacles that are going to come up along the way. It's flow state in sports is like high performance. And to some degree, flow in your life is the high performance of knowing what you're knowing what's going to make you happy and being able to work through the process of the things coming up and living in the flow of what makes you fulfilled. But living in the flow of what makes you fulfilled requires a sense of self-awareness and mindfulness to know what those patterns are that are going to come up for you. Because all of us have this, like, we have these patterns that we're addicted to. And generally, each of us have our own version of a negative spiral that we are prone to. Uh, and so finding your flow in, in your lifestyle and in, in your life uh, 
in our coaching business is focusing on realizing that there's a limiting belief that is probably standing in your way from your personal flow in your life, your personal fulfillment in your life. So many people that we work with in our uh, self-development have these not necessarily huge, huge, crazy goals that they're working toward in their life, but they're just trying to work through a sense of trying to find you know, more, better connections in their relationships, their existing relationships, feeling closer with the people in their lives. They want to just travel more, not necessarily travel full time, but would like to travel more. They have these, they want to feel just more love, more fulfillment, maybe more purpose in their careers, maybe make a little bit more money, more wealth in their careers. They have these goals that they're trying to get to. And they're like, I'm stuck in the same pattern. I just can't seem to break it. And so we work to try to help people realize that there's a, uh, a childhood belief. There's a belief that's standing in your way from reaching that. It's really not a matter of physical predicament because we can work through that. But if there's something in your mindset, uh, in your belief systems that's holding you back from the life that you really want to live. Yeah, I think that's well, very, very well put together and said. Um, you also talked about something in the Instagram post. This is kind of random because I was looking back at it. Uh, you were talking about personality, right? And since we have so many different people on this platform that come and chat with us and also so many different people that listen, I want you like if you could explain what like a personality is because I thought that was a really interesting post on Instagram that you put up. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious which, which Instagram post do you remember? Uh, all right. So you were talking about personality and how like it's a person and their reality and it's you going through, okay. you know, a reality when you go through your reality, that's how you build your personality. So it's okay, really more yeah. focused on like your mental state, you know, of, of how you're going through each moment is kind of. Yeah. So like a lot of people like think it. of, personality right as like a just this like oh you know I look up this quiz and I get this personality type but uh this is the thing I was sharing on my Instagram was a lot based on Dr. Joe Dispenza's uh work which is a good explanation for he kind of like explains how well if you think about the word personality it's your personal reality and why is your personality what what is the link there well the person that you've become uh it has a lot to do not just with necessarily nature of who you were born as your personality but there's a strong influence in the things that happen to you in your childhood that influence how you see the world so I like to describe it as you know you come into this world with maybe a predisposed personality but then between the ages of zero and 14 uh you have a program that's installed and it's kind of like a computer uh if you have a computer there's the hardware of a computer and there's the software of a computer and so maybe the hardware is your predisposed personality of what you're capable of and i don't know but then you also have this major influence of the software and the perception that's going to be implemented into your life and that has a lot to do with all your your parents and their familial in your household but also your peers and your schooling and the other things that you're predisposed to maybe sports and different environments and even you know people have significant events happen in their life at that time too it creates the software that you see the world through so what happens to you often creates certain thoughts so let's say you know I think the simplest one to understand is like if you're surrounded in a household where people say money's hard to come by well like as a kid you'll be like money's hard to come by but what happens between zero to 14 is not just a thought. Now that gets solidified in your brain as the truth. That's the truth. Money is hard to come by. So your personal, your personal reality is now creating your personality. Now you're someone who grows up with that feeling of scarcity, 
because now it's not just a belief that you have, but your beliefs kind of tend to shape the person uh, that you become. And so that your person that that's living in a sense of lack, you feel like you can't give out money as easily. You feel like you, you might, that belief might also predispose you to attracting situations where it's hard for you to maybe stay in a job, or maybe you, uh, you can't make a certain amount of money in the career that you're in. You have trouble, you know, maybe getting that promotion that you're looking for, because there's that belief, uh, actually starts to shape the situations that you get predisposed to in your life. So your personal reality of what happens to you and what you go through now affirms the person that you are. The other way to look at it too, instead of like, you know, money, money is hard to come by is kind of like this external one. But, you know, I could use the example of, uh, you know, as I grew up, I was in competitive sports a lot. And in competitive sports, they're always telling you, even if you're doing really well, you always need to be better. So then you could have this belief of like, well, I'm never enough because Mm -hmm. I'm always needing to be better because that's just natural if you're trying to progress. Mm -hmm. So there's not only beliefs about the world, but there's beliefs about yourself that get implemented in that time. And so then my personal reality of competitive sports now forms this belief that I'm never enough. And now it's shaping my personality. And my personality Mm -hmm. thinks that I need to achieve to be enough. I must have to. That's what I was told because my personal reality shaped me to believing that about myself. Yeah, yeah. So you spoke on one thing and that was perspective, right? And perspective, Mm -hmm. I think, is the key to this whole thing uh, to even like changing your personality or who you might like what who you want to become. Right. And if you have this like perspective of who you want to become and you can gear your, you know, your thoughts and your things and your actions towards that it's going to help change your personality. So there's a lot of people that are locked into like the idea of like, this is who I am. This is how I operate. And, but you can change that, you know, and it's really hard to understand that you could change that because even myself, sometimes I get locked into it. Like, ah, this is just what I keep doing. But Mm -hmm. the idea is that if like that perception, like getting life on the road, for instance, when you go from like a normie life to life on the road, at first, there's a lot of people are like, I can't do it. And then they, do it and they realize, oh, I love this life, right? Mm -hmm. That is just, that's changed their personality, whether they like it or not. It's changed who they are. It's changed their goals. It's changed their perception of life on top of that, because they just went from somebody who was like, oh, I can never do that to somebody who's like, I want to do this for eight years now. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, it's the idea of like, you know, as we grow through life, we could always change, you know, it, it, and that's why I love that post in general was because it's just the idea of like, you know, uh, of helping people grow to become the person they want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so, it's so true that, uh, you know, I always, I love, this is not my quote. I heard, saw this somewhere, but, uh, I heard someone once say that you are under no obligation to be the same person you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes if, if you really wrap your head around it, it's pretty wild. Cause you, even the person you were yesterday, you technically, it's only your memory of the person you were yesterday that's keeping you today in this person you are today. Uh, if we didn't have that memory, we would on, we would be constantly changing. And it's so true that the action is the key to transforming that change. I think a lot of people get caught in the trap, even though it's necessary to have a level of self-reflection to be able to recognize when there's certain things holding you back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, being able to actually take action and act out that new life and go and live in the RV and go just take the action is going to open your perception. But a lot of people really, really struggle with chain, chain, taking action, making those changes and send that it perpetuates them being stuck in that story. Uh, one thing we talk about a lot with our, one of the first things that we have people do in that process of trying to, uh, step into more change their personality to change their personal reality and live a better life for them is being able to tell your story and realize the story that you've caught yourself in because it's such what you just said it's like you you're like well I'm this person and I have this perception and I well this is the person that I've told myself I need to be and I am and I you just get stuck in that and it's like a kind of on a subconscious level for the most part so you're like have trouble noticing it but then when you see it on paper you're like okay let me just tell the story of how did I how did I get here in my life who am I who do I think I am and well a lot of people of course it's not necessarily an easy thing to write the story of who you think you are when you do you go you see it out on paper and you're like okay I realize that I'm still living this pattern because I think that I was a victim in some certain situation and I need to keep being, being victim, whether it's something small, like, Oh, this person didn't clean up the house or something big. Like I broke down on the side of the road. It's triggering something from back there. And then you have it right now is this, this story of who you are. You realize, Oh, I'm just reliving this over and over and over again. And I don't have to keep reacting in the same way. I can actually change my reaction and choose to be someone else in the smallest little way. Mm-hmm. I think that takes so much self-reflection and like, cause often these reactions are in like a moment of, you know, it's just automatic and anger, uh, mm-hmm. chin, uh, you know, something like that. And you don't even think about it and you just start spiraling. So I think that's where having somebody like a coach or a mentor to kind of help you realize these thought patterns. And then when that, you know, initial spark triggers something instead of just like falling into that old pattern that you actually, you know, maybe you fall into it for a second or, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple minutes or something. And then you think, oh shoot, this is what I was supposed to be looking (laughs) for. And now how can I do something different about it? Instead of being reactive, you're being proactive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's so much with being like, like you said, proactive or even intentional about like, okay, things are going to come up, but I need to be able to replace it with something positive. Cause it's like, if you don't have something to replace it with, you don't have like, you can't do nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to kind of script out what would a positive reaction in this situation look like. And so, you know, sometimes it's hard when you're in an unknown situation, if it's a repetitive situation or like something that's happened before, uh, it's a little bit easier to like script out a new version of it. Uh, like for example, I, if we're using that car breakdown on the side of the road example, there have been times when not, that doesn't necessarily trigger me, but like it would trigger my brother and my dad. And that happens often enough. So we could script out a better positive situation for like, okay, what would it look like for you to not react that way? Would you, you know, I would have hold a space of relaxation as I'm going to get the jack to fix the tire. Or maybe it's like, Hey, 
we're just gonna uh, pause and like think about the solution without coming from a place of stress because I trust that I'm gonna be safe even if I break down on the side of the road and have I have my RV with me. Let's reframe the positive thoughts of the situation instead of just reacting and scripting out what that behavior of yourself looks like to be able to be intentional and proactive about it. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I want to talk about your charity before we head out here. Um, so Nomads with a Purpose is something that you've created. And I would love to hear more about that and how you're helping people, you know, through your travels. Yeah, so Nomads with a Purpose is our adventure travel blog. At, uh, and at this point, it's kind of like, like I said, it's kind of on the back burner, but Nomads with a Purpose is such a is such a foundation for us to eventually be able to offer the the types of merging of travel and personal development that we'd really like to see. Uh, at this point, we're like currently working on building the personal development platform uh, to kind of like ma- uh, bring in an audience that, of people who are willing to want to like work through those those triggers, those reactive cycles and those patterns that kind of like just hold us back from being our most fulfilled self. But uh, no as of the purpose is kind of when, when it started, we are we were so passionate about the idea that travel is personal growth. Like it is. I mean, you guys probably feel that. And it's such an opportunity. It's really in a way, it's a tool for your own self-fulfillment, self-betterment. It's not like I travel just to travel. I travel for fun. I travel. Travel is like a growth process. And what we've kind of come to like realize is that not everyone sees it that way. And it's you can't necessarily change people's belief about that. Uh you to someone else they can on their own but we've kind of learned to distinguish the two i think eventually uh, i have i'm working to create a documentary about nomads of the purpose um as a merging of the story behind uh, our story but kind of merging it into the lesson around uh what travel is just a tool for self-awareness mindfulness uh personal growth and working through your own triggers kind of like what what it really what really matters about minimalism and what really matters about sharing a space with people in a small confined space. Um, but that's kind of something that's in the, in the works and it's not going to be uh, particular or not going to be complete in the near future. until we get all the pieces work together, but on the end of trying to like keep them separate and realizing that we can't change people that don't want to see travel as personal growth. We've been working with our personal growth uh, platform, which is called be the hero Academy to try to bring together uh, uh, events. We're even working to possibly put together an event this fall in Moab uh, to bring together people who want to adventure and work on personal growth at the same time. So we're looking to potentially, you know, take people out on adventures, people who are, and a lot of people who we consider, who are interested in the idea of it. There are people who are already like living RV, uh, RV living lives and van lifers um, because I think it just naturally draws you to that. So we're working to put together an event where we can go do adventures, but we're also going to be working on the personal growth things like uh, meditation together, breath work together, maybe ice baths together, journaling together. Because those, even though we can go on an adventure and it's a great experience of, oh, wow, you know, I didn't realize being on the wall is a when you're rock climbing is a great way to recognize, oh, wow, I did not realize I have so many beliefs about what I'm capable of. Or I didn't realize I had so many self-learning beliefs that now that I'm on, up here on this wall, they're all coming out plain and clear. Even though adventure is that amazing place and even just traveling, being on the road is a great place to notice things. When we bring in some other tools that 
we generally use for personal development, like meditation, journaling, and breath work, uh, it kind of just like laser focuses it in and gives us enough clarity around those things that have already come up to see them plain and clear. Oh, this is what needs to be shifted. And so uh, we're kind of working on being able to create events and create places where that are accessible for people to uh, uh, go through make transitions, make transformations in their life if they want to, while also having unforgettable experiences in the outdoors, doing what they naturally love to do, traveling and adventuring. I think it's so true that travel is a personal growth experience, Mm -hmm. but I think in our culture, travel and vacations have kind of been, it's like a break. You know what I mean? Like your life is so busy. And so the rat race that we talked about earlier and, you know, travel is basically just going to, you know, for example, an all-inclusive resort, sitting on a beach for a week, drinking, you know, margaritas, and then coming home back to like, quote unquote, real life. And so there's not a lot of space for personal growth, development, all of these things when the whole goal behind that is to just de-stress from your Mm -hmm. everyday life, even though things will come up, you know, say your flight's delayed or your bags are lost or, you know, the hotel is, you know, it said it was five star, but really it's like a two star, you know, a hundred (laughs) percent. But like, how are you triggered by that? And what does that make for you? And like, does that make you start a fight with your whole family? And then like, you know, all these tailspins of like, you know, I certainly have memories of vacations that like, didn't go as planned and then people got upset and then you know it's like so how do we turn these moments into personal growth moments you know in a thoughtful and intentional way right because when you're just booking the trip to go you're not thinking about oh this is going to be like a life-changing experience where I'm going to come back as a different person you're just thinking I'm going to go get a tan Mm -hmm. you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just trying to get your. I'm just trying to get my head above water, so I'm not drowning in this life. Uh, and it's so funny. It's not necessarily funny, but like uh, it's be, it's hard because people live such stressful lives that to the only way you get that growth is to like embrace the unknown. Like, oh shoot! Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't consciously step into the unknown when we travel. It's like it hits us. Yeah. Like you're saying, like, oh shoot, my bag was lost, and now I'm in this small unknown of my bag being lost what do I do and being in the unknown is an inherently stressful experience if you're not willing to embrace it so there's just like so much stress in our most people's regular lives that the stress of wanting to be in the unknown whoa whoa, whoa, I don't want to do that I need to stress less but really I mean there's a lot that comes into play with like well why is your life so stressful Mm -hmm. well and I think once again it comes back to that perspective thing you know and and like for instance no matter what you do every day and all your tasks when you're at home and you're in the normal flow of your life of like the regular job that's comfort, you know, like you have comfort in those things, you know, you're bringing home money, you know, that you have your house to come back to, like, you know, these things. And then when you travel, it's automatically the unknown because you don't know what's, you know, in that near future. Like when you step outside your door, you know, what's inside your house. Like you might have moments in there, but they're not as extreme as when you travel. Um, And then what I try to do personally is no matter what I do, when I feel something is going awry or wrong, or even when it's going well, I try to look at it and say, what am I supposed to learn from this? You know, what, what is my, you know, what is my message in what's happening right now? Mm -hmm. And is that, 
like I try to find the positive message, like how you were talking earlier to help confirm that growth, you know, like what did I learn from this experience? And it can start off as something like, like something negative happened, but how do you put a positive spin on that? And normally it's like, I've learned a new skill or I know now that I'm comfortable in a uncomfortable situation because I could have a conversation and open up to somebody to help them you know, feel more comfortable about the situation. So like just learning personality, like personal skills of how to communicate with your neighbor, you know, whether or not they're your neighbor, they're your neighbor because they're your neighbor on this planet, you know? So just having that opportunity to really like converse and, and change that perspective of, you know, oh, everything's going to shit. It's mm-hmm. instead it's, what do I need to learn to make this a good experience? You know? Yeah. I mean, you totally nailed it. I think like, the key to though if there were like one key to growth and personal fulfillment and purpose all is one it's turning obstacles into opportunity yeah because if you see it that way then nothing happens to you everything's happening for you not to you uh this is here for me to learn you know to learn to forgive someone this is here for me to learn adaptability this is for here for me to learn to have uh acceptance or trust or whatever it is in your own personal your own personal perception that you know that you probably need to work on you realize that all those obstacles are there for you uh and if you have that mindset man i mean of course holding that mindset constantly that's the that's the struggle because yeah. our natural primal brain does not want to see it that way. Everything's danger and this unknown. Um, but yeah, if you can focus your intention on that, uh, it gives you so much opportunity in your travels and in your life to turn it into a fulfilling experience. And I do have one more thing to add to that is like, it's okay for you to forgive something or someone or whatever it is. And for that other side to not, with you you know what I mean like you gotta Mm -hmm. wait for them to be able to come through that other side for themselves you know because it's okay for you to let go of it you know whatever it is that you're going through you know yeah for sure I mean uh in our travels like it was a big it was a big growth process for me to kind of uh, handle the situation with my my peers especially because some of them were like my cousins and my close best friends and I remember like not quite I remember at some point, you know, my mom was giving me like advice and support on it. She's like, yeah, you just need to forgive these people for like how they treated you and how re- they reacted to you. And I was like, I can't do that for, or at least internally, I was like, I can't do that for the longest time. And I realized that coming when I was actually able to finally forgive those people, whether it was nonverbal or just some verbal, some nonverbal, like actually having conversation, it was so, so much a matter of me uh, realizing kind of forgiving myself and realizing that forgiveness means doesn't mean I ask any any change of them and realizing that they are going to accepting uh accepting them for who they are and realizing that even though maybe they you feel in some way because generally forgiveness you feel like some someone in some way did harm to you or slighted you in some variation realizing that that was okay I learned from that then realizing that the obstacle back then was an opportunity, but now also in forgiveness, like you can't ask, you can't actually ask anyone to change or accept or be something or expect something out of them. Forgiveness is really like an acceptance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it creates a lightness within yourself, even if just like letting go of it or, you Mm -hmm. know, saying the words or writing them down or just, you know, releasing it to the universe, whether you Mm -hmm. have the conversation with the other person or not. Um, It's definitely a really powerful 
thing. And I think that van life and life on the road in general gives you lots of opportunities for this kind of personal growth and stepping into the unknown. And you obviously have so much experience with that, having like grown up with it and still being in it and having your whole family in it and seeing everybody's different, you know, journeys through it really in like a personal way, because, you know, we've been on the road for four years, but, you know, and we've met so many nomads, but we kind of flow in and out of their lives. You know what I mean? Like you meet up in Moab, say, and then you don't see them again for another six months or a year. Or maybe you only see them on the internet, you know? So like, it's not that deep connection of like, what are people actually going through? Because what they put on social media is not necessarily a reflection of, you know, what they're actually going through day to day. Yeah, when you meet up, you definitely get that opportunity to learn you know, more deeply what they might be going through or what their lives are actually like on the road. So we always try to tell those people like, hey, make sure that you're sharing all the different things. I know it's not like what Instagram might pick up or whatever, but at least it's there. You know, that way it's it's shared and and people could understand that it's more than just beautiful scenic views all the time. You know, it's it's there's a lot to it in general. Yeah, for sure. And that is so true that uh when people that you meet in person, I find it so intriguing in some ways, like people's Instagram persona and their real life persona. And not necessarily even in a negative sense, because it makes you go, oh, this is interesting that this, it tells me the parts of themselves that they like. It tells me that it shows me their creative side. Um, but then it's also interesting to see people in person and you can read so much about people like in person, You're like, oh, wow, I feel like I, and to some extent, I feel like I know your whole story just based off of the energy that you're, you're sharing with me. But it is, it's a really cool thing, especially in uh, van life and uh, RV, the RV community, um, that there are so many people that are out there that are willing to step into the unknown. And um, and also that they're like the, the whole, even though it's like coming from, oh, Instagram influencer place, everyone's there sharing it. And it's like this cool community of people like, hey, we went on this adventure and this is how it went. And, you know, maybe it didn't go so great. And or we stumbled upon this great place. It's mm-hmm. a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. We're definitely going to be keeping up with your travels and seeing where you end up. And of course, everybody can check the show notes down below to find all the good work that you're doing. We'll have your link backs or your backlinks or whatever that SEO fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Also that people can find you and, you know, hopefully benefit from some of your teachings. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. It was a really good conversation. Love sharing, uh, meeting up, meeting other people who are living this life on the road. And I will definitely keep up with you guys as well. What an amazing conversation. You know, Gabby is younger. She's in her early 20s. And I just feel like that since she lived life on the road, it really allowed her to experience life quite differently. And her parents, you know, raised an awesome person, what it seems like to me. Just like the availability of being like mentally stable and there and able to articulate a lot of things in a very unique way for that age, I think is very inspiring. Mm -hmm. And I think too, it's insightful to hear about the burnout and, you know, whenever you've been doing anything for a number of years, years, yeah, it can get tiresome, you know, even when it's an amazing, wonderful thing. Like that's why people change careers. That's why people get into new relationships. That's why people move to different, you know, cities or countries or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you as human beings, we need change and growth and evolution. And so when you find yourself in this pattern of like, you know, I think when we first got into the van, everything is new and shiny and exciting. And then 
you know, maybe a couple things kind of knock us off that pedestal. And then, you know, we get back to the, oh, this is great. And I love it. I love it. I love it. And then, you know, a year, two, three, eight down the road, you're like, okay, I've been doing, you know, this is great, but what's next? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of stepping stones to what's next. You know, like our family started in that RV, like a pretty big RV and they sound like they downsized a bit since the family has now grown and got a little bit older. And, you know, instead of four kids being in a rig now, there's, you know, only two left with them and two of them are, you know, off on their own, doing their own things is what it sounded like. And, uh, I, you know, she now has a toe behind or, uh, and so that make, that makes a difference, you know? So you, when you're changing it, you're changing up your lifestyle for what you think you might want. It's the same thing in life. Like if you are uh, trying to grow in a career or in something, you're going to make changes, whether it's your house where you live and you move from state to state or you upsize or downsize, depending on, you know, the availability of how close you might be to like the mountains or something. It's very similar with van life. You know, you might, some people want, might want more space. Some people might want less. Some people might not want the walkthrough. Some people want the walkthrough. You know what I mean? Like for safety aspect or just for availability to just jump in that front seat and go. You know, uh, I think that it's amazing that you have this uh, ability to change and to grow into whatever it is that you feel is the right kind of turtle shell for yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's why I don't feel that it's fair when people are like, oh, like you went back to an apartment or you went back to a house, like you failed at van life or like, oh, you couldn't do it. Or, oh, like, see, I told you, like van life's not all it's cracked up to be. And like, we're like, you know, we never said we were going to do this forever. We always say that we're going to do it until we feel like we don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Or until you know? something else sparks our interest or our fancy Correct. or, you know, our desires. And I think the nice thing about van life is that you get to experience all these different places, all these different activities, all these different people. And it gives you even just the spark of an idea and you're like, Oh, maybe Mm. that's what I want to go to next. Yeah. So even if you only do van life for six months, it could potentially change the entire trajectory of your life. Yeah. And even opportunities for jobs or whatever it is, it might just open up a whole world of different activities that you didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. And so is that a failure? I don't think so. I think you won. Like if somebody was like, Oh, I took a job at this company didn't really love it. So I took a job at a different company. You're a failure. No. Like what? No, no I, just, how I changed my mind. I went to something new. I'm trying something different. Yeah. It's evolution. And realistically, if you want to call it failure, like that's when you have the most growth. So, you know, all the people that are the best in the things that they do are the ones that have failed the most because mm-hmm. they've tried the hardest. The other people that are normally giving you crap for it, they're not even trying at all. So, you know, they don't have any room to fail because they're not trying to fail. Well, I think a lot of people are just afraid of failure. So they never step out of their little safe little bubble. Yep. And so that's why they never change. Yeah. And, and, you know, sorry for you. (laughs) That's that's it. That's all I can say is I'm sorry for you. You know, like I love the fact that uh, we get to try things and we get to have growth out of it. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, being able to experience this. And I will say probably most of the people listening to this podcast are those kind of people that are excited about change, excited about trying something new, excited about exploring new places, ready for an evolution of self, of life, of leveling up to that next 
you know, plateau of what is van life and how that can help you in your life. Yeah. And if you have a friend or a family member who's trying to do the same thing and level up, you know, make sure to share this podcast with them. Maybe we've had a couple of inspiring words or people or something on the podcast that will just help them push them to that next level. You know, I think that's what it is really about is sharing information to help each other grow. Mm -hmm. Gabby's got us all fired up today. Yeah. Let's go, Gabby. (laughs) (laughs) But we hope you guys enjoyed the show. Be sure to drop a review wherever you listen to your podcast and make it an FNA day. Everybody knows it's true. Man life YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.